Welcome to the Get Emergent podcast. This is a podcast about leadership development, improving communication, and enhancing team performance. I'm Cindy Massengill. And I'm Ralph Simone. And we are super excited for this topic today. I'll, you know, I'll lead it off with a little story. I had a recent conversation with one of my clients who said, Cindy, I'm just living the grind. I'm just living the grind. And, you know, I think I laugh about that because it's like, gosh, why do we do that? There's so many people who we have this tendency to feel like we're on this, what is that, the saying that being living on a gerbil wheel or, you know, just (laughs) running and running. And also we realize we're not even doing the things that are really the most important in the work that we're doing. Yeah, I, I think it was the hamster wheel, but the hamster I, wheel, gerbil. I think, the, I think the gerbil works. So we're kind of running around and getting nowhere because we don't know how to say no. And that's what our <laughs> that's what our podcast is about today is how do we say no? We were really inspired by a book written by Greg McEwen called Essentialism, The Disciplined Life of Doing Less. In the research for the book, they found that most successful leaders actually found that they could get more done by having less or by doing less, focusing on less things, that that was really one of the things that really credited to their success. I found that fascinating. And I think there was a line in the book, uh, less but better. And so when we have this level of focus, right, it's less but better. In fact, I think you and I believe that yes to everything is no to most things. We're just not moving the ball forward on those things that we say are most important. It's interesting when we get ourselves to, and I'll share a personal story, but it's interesting when we get ourselves into a situation where outside influences force us to have to say no to things. So case in point, one week from two days ago, so this Monday coming up, there will be a moving truck in my driveway. And that moving truck is taking stuff out of my house and bringing it to another location. I have to be ready. Any spare time that I have right now is dedicated to filling boxes, throwing stuff out, donating things, whatever I have to be. There is, there is no question what is most essential for me between now and Monday. Right. So here's why, yes, you got to be ready. So here's why I love that example. You said this to me before, most people schedule as if they have infinite capacity, which is not true in this forcing function that you just talked about in packing creates finite capacity Absolutely. And then really gives us self-permission to say no to things that are at least not essential now, you know, based on our current situation. And I think that's really important distinction that you just made. Well, you're absolutely right in the fact that it gives me the permission to say no to any requests that come my way. If it's additional work, if it's additional personal commitments, whatever it is, it's just got to be I had a a really fun conversation with someone a couple of weeks ago, and they were saying they kind of miss last year, not COVID and not the pandemic, but the restrictions that the pandemic put on how easy it was to say no to things because you couldn't go to a restaurant (laughs) or you couldn't do certain things groups or, you know, it actually, it was an outside influence that put 
restrictions on your time to where it made it easy. Now that things are all opening up, people are feeling overwhelmed because now not only are their kids activities opening up, but their own personal activities are opening up. How work is changing is opening up. And now everybody's back to <laughs> March of 2020, you know, back on the gerbil or the hamster wheel. Whichever. <laughs> well, I love this example because right, we, we suffered last year from pandemic fatigue. This year we'll suffer from decision fatigue. We'll be so overwhelmed with having to make choices. And when we talk about no, this is not binary, right? Yes or no. How do you say no with a smile? And no is a little more nuanced. It's not just no, right? Let's provide some color to our listeners as to what no can be. I'll answer that. But even as you say no, I'm like, I'm, I'm actually during this podcast feeling slightly uncomfortable because I think that for a lot of people, this idea of saying no, outside of the fact that you say no to like the president of the company or the CEO of your client or, you know, your future father-in-law or, you know, some outside of the person, <laughs> this idea of saying no is it, it doesn't sit really easy with me. I think a lot of human beings almost think that this is unthinkable. Yeah. That no is even a possibility, right? It's especially high performers and people who like to get things done. I think it goes even beyond that. I think the paradigm of being a team player would suggest to some that they can't say no to things where we would challenge that, that sometimes really being a good team player is saying no, because as I said earlier, yes to too many things means no to most things. And if you are not focused on the most important or the most essential things, then you're probably sub-optimizing the results for yourself and for your organization. But even that, Ralph, you have got to know what is essential or what is the most important. And when I say that for myself, how do I know what's important or what's most essential. There's a couple areas I would want to encourage most people to think about. It's things like your own personal values, your purpose, and what's your purpose as a leader. Perhaps the mission of the organization is driving what's essential. Even what you're energized about, right? Like, let's do what's energizing. And, and now I realize, you know, sometimes there are some things that we're obligated to do, right? But for the most part, gosh, can't we decide based on what energizes us most? So, so there's two things I have to comment. One, I think you are clearer than many people. And two, I don't think a lot of people do the work to be clear. And so they're then confused as to what they can say yes or no to. And I think, you know, when you can see somebody say no with a smile, Mm -hmm. right? They don't feel guilt. They don't feel remorse. They don't feel like they're letting you down. That implies to me that they've done the work and they have a deeper yes burning inside and they are perfect, crystal clear around that. The other thing it's for those people, it's, it's not just no, it could be no, not yet. No, mm -hmm. not now. No, not me. This can be a little bit more complex uh, there's many ways to get things done, and there's many different people in an organization that could get it done. I love the, um, I believe it's chapter 11. I didn't look <laughs> that up. but I wouldn't challenge you on it. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I believe it's chapter 11 in Essentialism where Greg lists, uh, by the way, I refer to him as Greg. As I, I, I noticed that. Yeah. And it's only because I have read this book so many times and I love it so much that I feel like I'm on a first name basis with you. Yeah, I think you should be. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but I love his, the no repertoire, the no repertoire. Like, I'll say a little more about that. So he has a list of, I don't, I don't know how many items we have a few of our own favorites, but just ways that you can say no, that kind of reshape it, that make it a little bit easier. And I find this section useful because if we have those tools readily in our pocket, in the forefront of our mind, all of a sudden, right when we're in the moment, unexpected, we're in a moment where we're faced with, oh gosh, I really am tempted to say yes. And I really know that this is a no moment. We can grab one of these tools in the repertoire. And this is why we, we encourage people to read. So now you have specific examples in your top of mind, because if you don't have them, you're really hard pressed to say no. Then you can experiment right, with how to say it in a way that doesn't create disconnection or break rapport. But without the examples, you don't really have any choice, any place to go. And so I, I, I mean, it's one of the main reasons we encourage people to read. Read what people that are performing at a high level are doing and then be willing to experiment and be supported in that behavior. I think my number one, my favorite is in the no repertoire list is actually saying yes and deprioritizing something else. So that's what, how I would, that's a, a, a nuanced way of saying no. It's if I take this on, what else am I going to take off my plate so that I can put this one on? Or push out a little bit, right? Again, I think there's a dynamic nature. So I like that one. I, I like yes, if, right? Conditionally. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, if the following things happen. So right? it's a no, but it's saying <laughs> yes. Okay, good. Here's the one I love. And I, I think I do it pretty good, but I wish I, I should do it more consistently. Do you ever just say yes to things and not even look at your calendar? I'd like to report that I don't, but that would be misleading. <laughs> <laughs> but I think a lot of, we think we know. And then all of a sudden I, I, I did it just less than 24 hours ago. I made a commitment for a get together tonight that all of a sudden I realized I can't do that because I have a commitment early, early tomorrow morning that long story. But anyway, I didn't check my calendar. And then I saw it this morning and then I had to back off. So I think if you have the tendency to just say yes to things, force yourself to stop and just say, let me check my calendar. And then you'll get a, things will be very crystal clear as to what the response would be. Context matters. And even if you have the spot in your calendar, does that necessarily mean that you should automatically say yes, right? Because, and, and so that's that another pause. question. Yeah, yeah, I created that pause. Yes. So now I'm looking at my calendar and now I'm at a really, I'm at a decision point, right? Mm -hmm. so, good, good. Yeah, well, you're making conscious choice at that point, as opposed to a knee jerk reaction to an ask. Perfect. Yeah. yeah perfect, yeah. perfect, perfect. How about, I know this is one of your favorites. You were energized about using email bounce backs, or I know I'm calling it wrong, but like auto responses. So people use auto responses when they're going to be out of the office for an extended period of time, like on vacation or a business trip or whatever. 
But why do we limit those auto responses to just those circumstances? Well, because we're built to uh, get back to people immediately. And, and, you know, if they email us and we don't get back to them, they'll text us, right? And, And so I think this idea of creating a buffer for yourself to say no, but being proactive with it. And, you know, we were, we had this conversation. I still haven't acted on it, but why am I only using that for vacation time? Why aren't I using it when I'm writing my book? Why aren't we using it when we're doing a strategic planning session, deep work, right? I mean, when you listen to people, they spend an awful lot of time on their day responding to emails. And, you know, if they said no to some of that, where could they be spending their time? Well, I think these auto responses are just a different form of saying, no, I'm not available right now. Yes. So it's just a different form of saying no, which I love. love. And it's it's really no, not now, right? Exactly. No, not now. And how about this? No, no, I can't, but Ralph might be interested, right? Or someone else might be interested. I love that. I think that's brilliant. So I was I was talking to my neighbor the other day, and during the, the post-pandemic pent-up demand for home projects, and people are lamenting that they can't get anybody to come to their house. So maybe these folks are good at saying no. But the one the one thing he was telling me, he has one guy that his service model is he doesn't answer the phone and he doesn't have a voicemail. So he just sees who's calling and then later decides if he wants to call them back, which is an interesting customer service model. But why wouldn't you take the call, let people know it's going to be six months, so it's no, not now, and offer them someone else? We can offer another resource from our company, or we could recommend another company that could do the similar type work in our absence. What do you think about that? So now you're giving them the that you're actually not saying no. Now they're saying yes or no to what, what I would call a counter offer. You're still providing some level of service at that point without investing time and energy that you don't have. Our focus today was, I know our listeners can tell both of us are really energized by this topic, but we people constantly talk about, you know, we hear I'm in the grind, I'm running on my hamster wheel, super busy. I never have a chance to focus on bigger thinking, all of that stuff. And I, this is such a great opportunity. If you don't feel like you're doing enough of it right now is to really spend some time considering what is most essential for you. What are those things? It's the disciplined life of pursuing less so that we can do more. And my recommendation is I hope everyone reads Greg McEwen's Essentialism book, I just found it transformational. It reminds me of the uh, Russian proverb, which I've probably overshared this week, so I might as well share it again on this podcast. If you chase two rabbits, you catch none. And really, no helps with focus. No helps us be more intentional. And no helps us achieve the true results for the organizations and enterprises that we work for. Fantastic. I love that quote. Thanks for sharing it again. And to our listeners, please come back for more episodes of our Get Emergent podcast, including the Driving Leadership Series with our partner, Bill Berthel.